Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, the Emergencies Act inquiry has demonstrated that it was a complete falsehood that Freedom Convoy folk were trying to burn down an Ottawa apartment building. Yet, why do some folks on the left still refuse to acknowledge the truth? Sheila Gunn-Reed will try to make sense of it all. Remember late last year when Peel Region enlisted Brampton Batman in an advertising campaign to push the COVID-19 vaccines to children. That campaign was abruptly pulled, likely due to outrage, but now the health necromancers in Brampton are up to their dirty marketing tricks yet again, once more using celebrities to influence kids to get their booster shots. Our newest Rebel News reporter, Palminder Singh, has all the gruesome details. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day, and you had plenty to say about the demonstration against the Iranian regime that took place outside a Thornhill, Ontario mosque, which allegedly has ties to the regime. But a supporter of the regime allegedly tried to drive, <clears throat> pardon me, his SUV into the demonstrators, a vile act that has received almost zero mainstream media coverage. In fact, one needs to go offshore to read media in other countries to find out what happened last Sunday. Gee, I wonder why that is. In any event, those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. This week marks the first full week of testimony in front of the Public Order Emergency Commission. It's an official inquiry built into the Emergency Act itself that there must be an official examination of the use of this extreme law anytime it's invoked. Justin Trudeau invoked the never-before-used counterterrorism law to suspend civil liberties and confiscate bank accounts and seize assets to euthanize the weeks-long convoy protest in the streets of Ottawa. Thousands of truckers and their supporters brought their trucks to the nation's capital to protest remaining COVID restrictions. Now, Rebel News is covering the commission, and we have a rotating team of journalists on the ground in Ottawa in a satellite studio. You can see our work and support our journalistic mission at truckercommission.com. And I think by the time we get through this video today, you'll see just how important it is for skeptical journalists to be in Ottawa. Because even when the narrative is proven wrong, these people just refuse to let it go. The truckers brought with them their bouncy castles, their fireworks, their barbecues, and of course their sense of fun. Much to the chagrin of many uptight Ottawa residents and the Prime Minister himself, who saw these fellow Canadians as foreign invaders. Now, many lies were told about the convoyers by the media, by the politicians, but also by attention-seeking local busybodies, including allegations that went around the world that convoy members were involved in an arson in an Ottawa-area apartment building. Allegations were that these freedom-loving maniacs tried to burn down an entire apartment block while people slept. It was first published by a random account on Twitter in a long, hand-wringing screed about how he just didn't want to say these things, but he had to. He included surveillance photos 
And then it was all picked up by the eager-to-lie Trudeau-colonized bailout media. Even the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, repeated the lie as gospel that convoyers tried to incinerate people as they slept in their beds. Look at this. Yesterday, we learned of, of a horrific story that clearly demonstrates the malicious intent of these protesters occupying our city. At 5 a.m., and this was captured on the building's video, on Sunday morning, two young at the lobby of the building on Lisker Street where they proceeded to light fire starter bricks near the elevators before taping up the door handles so residents would struggle to get out during a fire. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but this story could have ended very, very differently. It's extremely disturbing and points to a desire to harm our residents and obvious criminal intent, which I know the Ottawa Police Arson Unit is now investigating. I cannot stress this enough, and I hope this message gets through to the truckers. The lives of in individual innocent people are at stake right now, right here. La vie de nos résidents vulnérables est en jeu et cette occupation doit cesser tout de suite. This occupation must cease right away damaging demonstrations. I want to thank you and I ask you to continue to show patience and courage during these very challenging times. The behavior, the behavior we've witnessed severely contradicts Canadian values. It's not representative of the good men and women in the trucking industry who are currently hard at work making sure our grocery store shelves are full. And make no mistake, this protest is not hurting the government of Canada or the province of Ontario and you have no sympathy left here to advance in the city of Ottawa. Who are you hurting is anxious and vulnerable residents, and this should not be their fight. Now, the people who repeated that lie just can't find a way to back away from it. Even after police investigated and found that the arson, as small as it was, wasn't an attempt by anybody from the convoy to roast people in their sleep. Far left-wing radical Ottawa mayoral candidate Catherine McKinney even refuses to acknowledge that she might have gotten this wrong even after the police investigated and found otherwise. Take a look at this. And you're aware um, that two individuals were both charged uh, with uh, arson and a number of other offenses? That's correct. And in both cases, the media release uh, indicated that they were not associated with the convoy, correct? Yes, I did not uh, agree with that, but that is what the media release said. Now, a little bit of additional information came out about the fake arson attempt in the Trucker Commission this week. You see, every day the commission publishes documents on their website, and every day at Rebel News we go back and read them after already sitting through hours and hours of testimony. And the other media don't do this. What I can tell you is this arson attempt that so rattled all those anxiety-riddled, emotionally fragile people in Ottawa in the mainstream media well, I can tell you it was so serious that nobody actually reported it to the police until the next afternoon. It was only reported to the social justice police on Twitter. Let me show you the documents. It's an email from someone inside the Ottawa Police Service up the chain of command to Patricia Ferguson. She's the deputy acting chief under former chief Slowly. Now, there were so many lies told pertaining to those who make up the rank and file of the Ottawa Freedom Convoy politicians and attention-seeking local busybodies and, of course, Trudeau's trained seals in the mainstream media. Well, they went to Warp Factor 9 in terms of vilifying the protesters. 
These people were violent and sexist and homophobic, and there were even arsonists whose goal it was to burn down entire apartment towers, roasting tenants as they slept. Wow, these allegations sound downright horrific, don't they? Except for one little thing. Take it away, Romulan Senator Vrinak. Oh, it's a fake, all right. And yet, even after these outrageous allegations have been debunked, there are still those who cling to these lies, such as far left-wing radical Ottawa mayoral candidate Catherine McKenney, who apparently does not agree with the truth. Um, what else does she not agree with? Gravity? Um, that there is salt water in the Pacific Ocean? Unbelievable. And joining me now regarding... One of the most outrageous lies that was hatched during the Freedom Convoy, the arson I'm speaking of, of course, is Chief Reporter Sheila Gunn-Reed, someone who has been watching the Emergencies Act like a proverbial hawk. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Sheila. David, thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. Sheila, so much to unpack here, but I think one of the most distressing things is that even when a lie is revealed and it is debunked, such as that arson attempt being falsely linked to the convoy folk, there are still those ideologues out there, such as Miss McKenney, who refuse to acknowledge the truth. Sheila, how do you make sense of that? Do you know what I've learned over the last few years? That if you're an arsonist, a liberal politician is your very best friend. <laughs> um because you've got two people charged with this arson in Ottawa. Neither one of them are related in any way to the convoy. And yet, their best defense attorney is Catherine McKinney, who is testifying at the public order emergency inquiry, that she still believes, despite all evidence, and the police having enough evidence to charge them, that... This is convoy related. And if you roll back the clock a few years, this is something that Catherine McKenna used to do all the time. She would talk about the forest fires in BC being evidence of climate change. And then the RCMP saying, actually, they're arson. This is an arson fire. The, an arsonist did this. But she would stand her ground and say that this is climate change. And therefore, we need to raise the taxes on fuel and, well, basically everything. Um because it fit her agenda. It wasn't the arsonist. It was always your SUV. Same here. It wasn't the arsonist. It's the honking. Yeah, it reminds me of the ABC detergent ad from yesterday, Sheila. McKenna, McKenney. I, I can't tell the difference. Can you tell the difference? But here's the thing. <laughs> Why can't this person be pressed um, when it comes to the arson, when it comes to her theory that these were convoy folk, she says, I don't accept that. Well, isn't the obvious line of questioning, well, what evidence do you have? W what do you have that links that arson attempt in that apartment building to people who are with the Freedom Convoy? Because there's nothing there, is there, Sheila? No, but it's feelings, right? Like there's something <laughs> in the water in Ottawa. That the people in charge think feelings amount to evidence. We heard this from former interim police chief Bell when he kept saying that there was a rise in violence, a rise in violence, and things were getting more and more volatile. The bounty castles, I guess, were getting especially volatile. <laughs> but when he was pressed on this issue by a lawyer for the convoy, Brendan Miller, 
He just said it was a feeling that people were experiencing. So other people's extreme TV-induced anxiety and their agoraphobia uh, and their unwillingness to go outside because they've been listening a little bit too much to Evan Solomon or Rosie uh, Barton or Justin Trudeau or Mayor Jim Watson or Catherine McKinney, those amounted, those feelings amounted to enough proof of violence when the police statistics didn't play out that there was any violence from the convoy. I think it was 15, 16 charges uh, between January 27th and February 13th. Uh, only five of those were even remotely violent. And I think two of those are attributed to people committing violence against the convoy and all the rest were mischief. Um, but all it takes is a feeling there. And so if McKenney feels that this arson is convoy related, that's all she needs. That's Ottawa. That is astonishing. Um, and yet these are the same uh, people, I would assume, Sheila, that during the heart of the pandemic were saying, follow the science, follow the science. But when it comes to a political narrative, it's not about evidence and proving theories. It's about feelings, as you say. Absolutely astonishing. Sheila, we're uh, several days into the inquiry, I know you've been watching this very closely, and thank goodness for that, because if you depend on the mainstream media for your information, boy, are you ever going to get uh, gypped, shall we say. But tell me, Sheila, what, uh, aside from the debunking of the arson attempt, what has been your biggest takeaway thus far? Oh, a couple of things. For example, municipal elections really do matter. <laughs> if you think that, you know, I don't need to vote for my local mayor or my local councillor, uh, they play a big role. Um, and they were the real uh, crybabies in the room when it was senior bureaucrats, which is odd for me to say, who were the same level-headed grown-ups. But w my takeaway is that over and over and over again, even the most political police operatives, like Chief Slowly, cannot say that the Emergencies Act was necessary yep. for them to do their job. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Were there any other tools available to the cops to deal with the convoy? You know what? Even the politically colonized commissioner of the RCMP, Brenda Lucky, is in the emails saying that there were other tools available. But it wasn't the convoy that they were dealing with. They were dealing with Justin Trudeau's ego. And that was the real act of war that the truckers committed. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not looking good for Prime Minister Trudeau, to say the least, uh, Sheila. And speaking of Trudeau, that brings me to um, another liberal. That would be Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Uh, the ongoing drama for several days, it just won't get out of the news cycle, and rightly so, is Ford saying he does not plan to testify, that he'll fight it in court. He's declaring parliamentary privilege. Sheila, what is going on here? I really don't understand it. Uh, Doug Ford was quite clear. He uh, A few days ago, he said he stands shoulder to shoulder with his new best boyfriend, Justin Trudeau. So what is he afraid of in terms of taking the stand at this inquiry? You know, that was the best part of the beginning of the, the uh, Truckers Commission was the day after he said he stood shoulder to shoulder with Justin Trudeau. Emails came out that Justin Trudeau was actively working with Jim Watson to just pin the whole mess on Doug Ford. Um, so, I, I, you know, 
<laughs> you know, it was just beautiful. But um, I, I think Justin Tr or Doug Ford, <laughs> what a Freudian <laughs> slip right there. Um, I think Doug Ford really doesn't want to have to testify against his friend, Justin Trudeau. Um, I don't think he wants to testify to the, their exchanges. I don't think Doug Ford wants his emails uh, in evidence. I will tell you, can you imagine what what Doug Ford calls people like the convoy truckers behind their back if we know he calls them horrible names to their faces, like yahoos yep. and the like? So imagine what was being said behind closed doors while Doug Ford was sucking up to Justin Trudeau for likes. You know what? I think you're right, Sheila, uh, because he has indeed been consistent uh, with uh, Justin Trudeau. And, and if you look at what Doug Ford did in terms of um, having the police come in to shut down the Ambassador Bridge protest, that's the span, of course, between Windsor and Detroit. Um, he's all about a heavy handed way of uh, getting rid of a demonstration. So you are probably indeed correct that it might be some really embarrassing emails and texts and other sorts of statements that Doug Ford never dreamed would be become public. And now there's a good chance that they might be. Well, Sheila, I know you're going to continue to watch this um, inquiry. And thank goodness for that. You're doing fantastic work, I must say. And uh, in the meantime, uh, you take a well-deserved weekend off and we'll See what new shenanigans come up on Monday. Oh, coincidentally, Halloween, trick or treat, eh, my friend? <laughs> I cannot wait to see your costume. And I don't have the weekend off. We're hosting a movie premiere again in Edmonton. Oh. So if people want tickets to that, it's our premiere of Ungovernable, Alberta's Quest for Independence. It's not necessarily a separatist movie, um, but it's about the story of Alberta and why we are so frequently unhappy with confederation you can get tickets at albertadocumentary.com and if you want to follow our work from the trucker commission what we've called what we're calling the public order emergency commission you can go to truckercommission.com well there you go folks i misspoke sheila gunn reed the hardest working woman in show business or whatever you call this racket uh, in the meantime sheila you, you have a good weekend nevertheless and take care I will. Thanks, David. Okay, then. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, the chief reporter for Rebel News, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this, folks. Hey, beautiful people. Palminder Singh here and reporting for Rebel News. Yes. And let's talk about these jabs they are still pushing now on our kids. Like, we can see all these signs all over in the city of Brampton. Like, boosters are available for five-year-old, really? And let's also check out the website of city of Brampton, what kind of advertisement they're running over there to promote the vaccines. Let's check it out. I got my vaccine so I can hug my grandmother again. I got vaccinated because I love my friends. And I got my vaccine so I can see my friends and family again. And I got vaccinated so I could protect my family. I got the shot to protect those around me and stop the spread of COVID-19. I got my shot to protect my family. I got vaccinated because I want to keep my family safe. And I can't wait to get my second shot. And I'm getting vaccinated for the kids in the hall. You just saw, watched the video, right? 
and they used our celebrity poet Rupi Kaur. We have a huge respect for her. And look what they have done. They're using all these celebrities to promote the, these lies. Let, why I'm saying these are lies? Let's check out this video. Regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. You just watched the clip from European Parliament. It happened recently and uh, director of Pfizer admitted it on camera, on record, that they didn't even know that the vaccine going to stop the transmission before entering the market and also check this out publichealthontario.ca website you can see how many kids in during the covid during 2020 and 2021 died because of covid it was zero on what basis they are pushing these jabs for kids and also we have a denmark where under 18 year old they're not gonna vaccinate their kids in Denmark. What kind of science here in Canada? Is it different than Denmark? I'm keeping a close eye on them and stay tuned for more reports from Plaminder Singh on Rebel News. Well, there you have it, folks. Take a drive through the city of Brampton these days and you may see signs all over Flower City urging kids 5 to 11 to get their first booster shots for COVID-19. There are even videos on social media urging kids with celebrity endorsements to get the jab. It just goes on and on. But the question is, we now know who is most seriously affected by COVID-19, which is to say it's the elderly and those with pre-existing medical conditions. So the question arises, why are the public health necromancers still promoting these experimental vaccines for healthy children? It simply just does not add up. And joining me now for more on this story is our newest Rebel News reporter, and that would be Palminder Singh. How you doing there, Mr. Singh? I'm doing good. Thank you, David. Thank you. It's uh, such a pleasure for being here with you. Well, thank Rebel you so much. Well, thank you so much for making time. And, you know, uh, Palminder, we have been told endlessly since the pandemic began way back in early 2020 to, you know, follow the science. But mm -hmm. we now know from the science that children are the least susceptible to COVID-19. So why are we still seeing all these campaigns about having young, healthy people get the jab. It doesn't make sense to me, my friend. Yeah, same here. Like even you just mentioned in city of Brampton, they're pushing their agenda further on our kids. Like under five year old and until 12 year old, please get your boosters. It's not compulsory yet, but they are doing it, right? Even CDC recently, they added this new uh, uh, COVID vaccine into their schooling uh, uh, vaccine records as well right so that's my question like why are they still doing it even like uh, uh, i sh in my video i showed the stats of uh, public health ontario in past uh, two years no kid died because of covid even like the majority of the kids already immune to covid right so that's my question like why they are pushing their agenda now on our kids 
No, you're, you're quite correct with the stats, Paul Minder. And the other thing, the thing that's really disturbing to me, and you see virtually zero mainstream media coverage about this, is the number of young, healthy, predominantly males uh, who are athletic simply dying of heart-related disease. Um, and these tend to be those who got the jab. And it seems to be verboten to suggest there's any connection between the COVID-19 uh, vaccine and these young, uh, healthy males dying on the soccer pitch. Uh, what's your take on that? Sure, Definitely, there is a connection between the jabs and these young players. They're like uh, collapsing on the fields. Even either they're soccer players or they're swimming, they're running. And uh, since we, we are the, uh, following the story closely and we are keeping an eye on every news and mainstream media is trying to silence those kind of newses. And uh, recently we know like 80 Canadian doctors, since they start rolling out their vaccine, like healthy doctors, they died suddenly with sudden death. And we all know that. Why? 80 doctors. Forget about the athletes. Let's talk about the doctors. And yeah. sudden death, heart attacks, and one of them was swimming, one of them was running on the run, uh, perfectly healthy, they just suddenly collapse. So obviously there is a connection, it has started happening after the vaccine rollout. Either they are doctors or either they are athletes, they are collapsing, having these heart attacks and sudden deaths, they're increasing day by day. No, you're, you're quite right, Palminder. And I, I mean, it, it, it's, there's either some kind of connection there or this is the most cosmic coincidence in the history of mankind. But, you know, yeah. going back to the issue du jour, this whole idea of marketing to young, impressionable kids about how great the jab is. You know, this isn't the first time in your neck of the woods we saw this. I go back to last winter. Um, you may recall that uh, Peel Region Health enlisted the help of uh, Brampton Batman. Uh, let me just throw to a, a clip of a monologue I did uh, back then about this particular marketing campaign. Check it out, folks. Recently, Ontario's Peel region, population 1.51 million, actually employed the Cape Crusader in a one minute long video in an effort to get kids to get the jabs. Holy pincushions. Indeed, Peel Public Health tweeted out a whiz-bang one-minute-long video featuring Dr. Lawrence Losom, or I mean Dr. Lawrence Lowe, actually recruiting children 5 to 11 to get vaccinated with the assistance of Brampton Batman and his Brampton Batmobile. This is different. The last time we saw you, you didn't have the Batmobile. I didn't. I had a goal and finally achieved it decided to walk back and forth to my job. Here's the result. Here is the result. Holy cinemascope! Now, folks, you won't find that video online anymore. It's been yanked like it never happened. So there you have it, Brampton Batman uh, trying to convince kids to get on board. I mean, I, I think if there really was a Brampton Batman that was uh, going by the rule of law, uh, Palminder, I, I think he would be arresting Patrick Brown right now. But that's yeah, a, that should be his job, you know. <laughs> that's a subject for that's another day. That's a good day. one. Yeah, that should be his main job, you yeah, know. I know <laughs> it. To arresting sneaky, corrupt Patrick Brown. Yeah, sometimes uh, like Brampton... Promoting 
No, you're yeah. right. Sometimes Brampton resembles Gotham City these days with all the shenanigans going on, thanks to Patrick Brown. But but the thing is, you, you know, I, it really bothers me, Palminder, that those people that are reaching out to kids, they are using kid-friendly properties. Uh, Toronto did the same with a character, Pokeru from Polka Dot Door, even though that went off the air in 1993. But it, I think there's a moral and ethical dilemma here in terms of you know, using these child-friendly pro uh, properties to convince kids to take what is essentially an experimental vaccine do you share my concern as well, Palminder? Yeah, like we all, it's a moral and eth unethical, immoral mm -hmm. and unethical to promote the vaccine on kids. And they know, look, they were so concerned about our health, right? They pushed this agenda of the vaccination. Please take the vaccine, save your parents, save your grandparents, save the world, because they were protecting us from dying. Then after the rollout of the vaccines, we starting seeing these adverse events. Even Pfizer released the data, like 70 pages of adverse events. And the whole mainstream media, they were completely silent on that issue. And if they're really concerned about our health, about our children, they are pushing their agenda to get the vaccine. Why are they completely silent on the side effects? They are causing myocarditis sudden deaths and so many other diseases, even I'll tell you one, I know this Dr. Kamalpati is saying most of the Canadians, they know him. He got one patient, like six-year-old patient having diabetes right after mm. his vac vaccination. So this is all bullshit and uh, it is unethical. I would call it's a crime for pushing these like clot shots on kids. So I wouldn't call even call them human beings because a normal human being, we have this empathy, we have this compassion. Once we know the truth, this this is this thing is causing the damage to the society, to the health. Why would I push that? So there's no human values involved in there. I don't know what is really good. We know that what is really going on. And I want to mention this one thing. When you see their propaganda back in 2018, 2019, these World Health Organization, uh, World Economic Forum, John Hopkins Research Institute, and uh, obviously Bill, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they did the simulation back in 19, uh, 2018, 2019. They call it Clade X, mm. uh, pandemic simulation, right? In that, they mentioned that all the steps, this is how they're going to do it. They're going to control the mainstream media. They're going to control the social media, they're going to hire celebrities to push their agenda to promote all these, uh, to put promote the fear first, then the vaccination, everything it was pre-planned. So we all know that. And uh, this is what why we are doing right here on Rebel News to uh, spread the information, right information to the people so they can wake up and they are waking up. I want to mention one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Palmer, and, and the, the perverse irony here, I think, is that these vaccines don't even work. I, I mean, I truly no. believe the whole planet is going to get COVID-19, uh, depending on the severity and the length. Uh, that, that's a different issue. But I remember uh, several months ago, Dr. Carolyn Bennett, who, in addition to being a medical doctor, she's a, a liberal MP, and she sent out a tweet and she said, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, words to the effect of bad news, folks, I, I have tested positive for COVID. And then she went on to say, 
thank God I was double jabbed and had a booster. Well, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're double jabbed with a booster and you still got it? So what are you trying to imply here? If you didn't get the jabs and the booster, you would have had it in a more severe fashion, but you can never prove that, Palminder. So I'm just thinking in the big picture, you know, as they say in journalism school, uh, always follow the money. Is this really what this is about? We have seen since this pandemic uh, came into being several multimillionaires and several billionaires be minted overnight that are tied to the pharmaceutical industry. Is this really the end game here? It's a, a ploy to make a whole lot of people a whole lot of money? Yep, obviously this uh, Pfizer company, they cash like almost 200 billions in profits. And I was listening to their, this so-called Davis convention. They were talking about this pandemic is a golden opportunity and the people are getting rich within a month. So whoever is related to this pharmaceutical companies. So obviously there is a money. And also, if you remember back in the days, Trudeau bought 400 million shots for Canadians. So he already paid for 400 millions, I guess. If uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong, because Canadian population is almost 40 million, 30 million around that. Mm -hmm. And I calculate that uh, 10 shots per Canadian. So there, there is a big money involved, there's no doubt. And they already paid for it. Now they have to push their agenda to like uh, get their citizens get the vaccine, even if it doesn't work. It caused so much harm. It was causing so much damage to the health of its citizens, but they have to push their agenda because they already paid for it. It's so sad though, when you add in the kids, but then again, uh, Palminder, I mean, as the saying goes, you know, whether you're in the marketing business selling beer, whether you're in the ideology business selling Marxism, as the saying goes, get them young, get them forever. And I fear that's what we are seeing here. It's indoctrination and the fact that they would use kid-friendly uh, characters, celebrities, etc., to, you know, encourage kids to roll up their sleeves and take an, an experimental vaccine uh, into their arm that they really don't need and, and perhaps will cause them harm. I think it goes to you, my friend. So... Yes, they are pushing their agenda, but the majority of the Canadians, they are waking up as you, if you're following the latest stats from this, uh, our health officials, they are saying only 70% Canadians, they got the boosters. And I think only there's a 1% children, they got the, they got this uh, so-called uh, jab for, for the children, only 1%. So Canadians are waking up. They are wide awake. They know what is going on. So we, if we see the stats, 17% Canadians got the, the fourth booster, whatever it is. They are not going to do uh, for, follow their further boosters and stuff. And I think it's a 1% of the kids, they just got their boosters. So it's a good news. And uh, hats off to Rebel News and you, David, and Ezra for spreading the word out, for, for spreading the information. They spent trillions of dollars on this agenda. And look at us. We are giving them uh, tough competition, yeah. right? So... At the end of the day, I think positive, be optimistic. Let's keep doing what we are doing and people are waking up. Well, I hope you're right, Palminder. Before I let you go, quick question, uh, because you live in Brampton. 
Uh, holy smokes, what do you make of that election on Monday? Uh, Patrick Brown re-elected uh, with a far bigger uh, majority than he received uh, when he first ran in 2018. And despite all the cover-ups, the corruption, the cronyism, the majority of uh, residents, even though it was only something like 24% came to the polls, elected this guy back in. What do you make of that, Palminder? To be honest, uh, majority of Canadians, they don't vote. Like, they're so busy and uh, only people are voting. They are more, they want to take personal advantage from these politicians. They are more interested in the voting mm. because uh, I know these guys in person. They are like a huge group. They have this personal advantage related to Patrick Brown. And they are, they are in the industry. And so Patrick Brown is the good guy for them to get this advantage in the industry and whatever they're doing, whatever they're dealing with. So they are pushing all the votes. Personally, I saw them calling like morning to evening to their relatives, to, to their friends to vote for Patrick Brown. So obviously, these people, they don't really care about uh, the, the, the community and the collective collective uh, community in Brampton. They just want to uh, have their own uh, personal benefits keep going through the this corrupt leader, Patrick Brown. And it's not a good news for, for Brampton. And I try to uh, promote this guy, you know, Bob Singh Dusant. He was like uh, exposing Patrick Brown so yes. bad on TikToks, on Instagram. And he was very down-to-earth guy. And uh, we wish uh, he could win, but uh, he was a new guy. And then Patrick Brown, it's he sent his uh, her his uh, colleague Nikki Kaur to fight the election, and uh, this all drama. I see it's a drama, biggest drama happened in Brampton in the these elections, and uh, corruption. It's a uh, the city of uh, Brampton is corrupt to its core, and uh, best sure of luck, is. Brampton. I'm. <laughs> That's all I can say. It sure is. Well, you know what? I just wonder what Patrick Brown promised uh, the various constituents. I know he's very, very good at making promises. When it comes to keeping promises, that's a different matter. Palminder, thank you so much for your time. And you have yourself a great weekend, my friend. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was Palminder Singh, our newest Rebel News reporter in the city of Brampton, Ontario. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Thornhill, Ontario. And folks, I'm back once again at the Maddie Islamic Center. Now, I was here on Sunday to cover a protest against the Iranian regime. And the reason why this particular mosque is targeted the allegations of the demonstrators is are that this mosque has close ties to the Iranian regime it is alleged that money laundering is happening here and that is why once again the demonstrators many of them expatriate Iranians now living in Canada targeted the center now here's the thing as the demonstration was winding down my camerawoman and I, we left, and I wish we hadn't because just 15 minutes after we left, there was a potential terror attack. I guess there's no way, uh, other way of putting it. It involved an individual driving a white Kia SUV, and at one point, it looked as though he was going to make a run for the demonstrators that were on that sidewalk 
just to the uh, north of me. Here, check out the video. Now, folks, what made this attack equal parts brazen, shocking, and egregious was the fact that there were already York Regional Police officers on site, and yet this individual, he did not care. He was still potentially going to do some damage. Well, the police did arrest him after he fled, and this individual is known as Faraz Al-Najim. He's 38. He lives in Toronto and he's been charged with dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, flight from police and weapons dangerous. Now, this individual, it turns out, has a very checkered past, although you won't learn about it from the mainstream media here in Canada. In fact, as of Tuesday afternoon, when I did a Google News search, only one mainstream media outlet had reported on that. That would be Global News. It was a very brief report. No, you had to go to the Jer Jerusalem Post to get all the information on this individual. And my goodness, does he ever have a checkered past. For example, he is affiliated with an organization called Canadian Defenders for Human Rights, also known as CD4HR. It's a registered nonprofit organization, but it's mostly focused on anti-Israel activism. Although in recent weeks, given the situation in Iran, uh, this organization is increasingly focused on pro-regime advocacy, if you can imagine. Now, the Jerusalem Post notes that Al-Najim has been involved in many nefarious activities. For example, he went to a kosher supermarket back on Dominion Day and he was harassing and intimidating Jewish customers. And then on September 11th of all dates, he went to a Jewish area and was harassing Holocaust survivors. And get a load of this, he was dressed as an Orthodox Jew while doing it. This is outrageous. But in any event, uh, he spent a night in jail and uh, he has been charged with those crimes. And we are just going to keep an eye on this case and find out A, if he's convicted and B, uh, how much, what a, sort of a sentence he's gonna receive. By the way, if you can imagine the chutzpah of this individual, he has, he has taken to social media and he has called his arrest unjust. He says he's hopeful all the charges will be dismissed in court. And he implied that the Jewish MP for this area, that would be Melissa Lansman and her Zionist friends, they are the ones that were really behind the demonstration. Uh, this guy is just doubling down on hatred 
and lies. So folks, riddle me this. What is more unbelievable and downright egregious that Faris al-Najim apparently planned to carry out a terror attack against the anti-Iranian regime demonstrators, even though police were already on site, or that Trudeau's trained seals in the media party think this is no big story to cover whatsoever. And really, I wonder why that would be, eh? And maybe if the driver of that Kia SUV would have been someone that, well, looked like me and was wearing a MAGA cap, do you think the likes of the CBC and the Toronto Star might suddenly take a renewed interest in that event? I think so. Absolutely incredible. In any event, you had plenty to say about that potential attack which happened last Sunday outside that Thornhill, Ontario mosque. David Gray writes, with his ability to lie and all he has done makes him a prime candidate for Trudeau's cabinet. You know, great point, David. And failing that, he can go the Omar Carter route and claim that, oh, I don't know, his feelings were hurt. I believe that's worth a $10.5 million payout. But, you know, we need to adjust that sum for inflation, of course. So let's cut that guy a check for an even $11 million. Roy writes, this terrorist is not Iranian slash Persian himself. His name isn't Persian and he doesn't look Persian. He's Arab from Iraq or Lebanon. David, you should have made this point clear. This isn't an isolated event where the Islamic Republic of Iran uses Islamic attack dogs against its opposition in Iran and abroad. Well, you know, thanks for pointing that out, Roy. And you are correct. The Iranian regime using foreign bad actors to carry out its agenda is indeed the way the mullahs roll in Tehran these days. Teresa Wilson writes, I don't care about Iran. Keep your foreign affairs out of Canada. Well, Teresa, here's why you should care about Iran. Agents of this regime who literally have blood on their hands, are in Canada right now. Apparently, the Trudeau liberals have no problem whatsoever letting these gangsters into our country to carry out extortion and violence upon those law-abiding Persian Canadians who came to Canada to get away from this brutality. Ed writes, is he going to be banned on Twitter? Nope. <laughs> you know, good point, Ed. I'm not a fan of banning dissenting voices, but... The matter of the fact here is this, a legion of Twitter users have been suspended or banned from Twitter for far, far less, you know, like misgendering someone. I wonder if things will be different when Sheriff Musk uh, takes over in the days ahead. Jean-Marc Lamothe writes, this guy is dangerous and must do a trip in Canadian jail. You know, I agree, Jean-Marc, but I'm not that hopeful. The cops did a great job in terms of preventing a potential bloodbath. Now it's up to the justice system to send a message to this thug. What do you want to bet that if he's found guilty, he'll be given house arrest? So all he can do is stay home and play video games all day. Wow, that's harsh, isn't it? And Tara Rayner writes, one night in jail? They held Tamara Leach for 49 days. Wow, you nailed it, Tara. Your statement says all that we need to know when it comes to how things operate in Justin Trudeau's Canada. While so many are hoping for regime change in Tehran, 
Let's also hope that regime change occurs in Ottawa, too, and let's hope it happens before 2025. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you next week, of course. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.